Thanks so much for joining us for the New Life Brisbane podcast. New Life Church is one family, many churches, and we exist to simply see more people more like Jesus by planting and leading thriving local churches. You've joined us in a series we've titled Paradox, A Different Way to Live. In this series, we will uncover the profound truths hidden within these seemingly contradictory statements as we embrace the challenge to follow Jesus' footsteps and be a catalyst for change in our world. We pray that this message is a blessing. From Matthew 5, verses 3 to 12. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they, shall, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed is the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they were persecuted, the prophets before you were, before, <laughs> who you were before you. This is the word of the Lord. Awesome. Thank you, Amanda. Why don't we give her a big clap? Woo! Awesome. Well, friends, if I have not had the pleasure of meeting, meeting you, my name is Dylan. I serve alongside Pastor Al as one of the pastors here. And this time, in about two hours, I'm going to be on holidays for a week, <laughs> which I'm so looking forward to. But before I begin, I just wanted to say a couple of things, mention two things. Number one, I actually just want to take a moment and honor you, Al, because, yeah, we love you, Al. But I mean this, is that I get to work with Al every day of the week as a pastor here, and there's something beautiful that this man does, which is call out the golden individuals and seek to get them released in the gifts that God's given them. So I just want to say that we, we see that and we love that our lead pastor does that. So thank you. Second thing to keep... Yeah, let's give him a clap. Second thing is that about a week ago, um, if you don't know, my wife and I are going to be planting a church in the Moreton Bay region about half an hour from here at the end of the year, which is awesome. Now we had our first info night, there's no picture up there, but I just want, as, as our home family, as our home church, I just wanted to report back and say we had a beautiful night. We had a few good connections, God brought a couple of good people along, and you know, the thing that we felt God say is this, it's always been about the one. It's always about the one person who we connect with, and God brought that one and that two to this night. And so we just say thank you to God for that. If this is on your heart to pray about, can I encourage you um, to head to church.nu forward slash Morton, fill out a form there, and we want the prayers of God's people to be saturating this as we seek to go forward. That's number one. Number two, you might have it on your heart to join us. If that's the case, can I also encourage you, head to church.nu forward slash Morton, fill out a form. We'd love to have coffee and just explore how our journey and the journey of new life being a planting church might have you be a part of that journey. Does that sound good? good? Awesome, awesome. Well, let's kick in. Today we are continuing in a series which we've called Paradox. And this series is, is a series where we're going to look at some of the teachings of Jesus and see how Jesus comes into a room and he switches things on its head. Where there's a teaching where Jesus will say, you have heard it said. Jesus comes in and switches it on its head. He's amazing like that. 
Paradox is the title of this sermon series. And I want to start tonight by rewinding our clock and bringing us back 20 years. Some of you are like, I was not even, I wasn't alive 20 years ago. Awesome. Let me tell you about something that happened about 20 years ago. It's this. In the early 2000s, the world was changed forever by social media. There was this thing that came across and these people created this social media platform called MySpace. Woo! It's like, you look at this logo, you're like, did someone create that on Canva? Like, like, MySpace, a place for friends. You're like, anyway, so MySpace comes along. This amazing platform. Can I just get a raise of hands? Has anyone been on MySpace here? That's less than what I thought. We really are getting old, but MySpace. MySpace is this amazing platform where basically you'd set up a profile, you'd add a profile picture, and then if you were going to be like really trendy, you'd add a, like a, a song to it as well. Do you remember that? You'd come to your MySpace page, and if you were like an angsty teenager who was like breaking up with your girlfriend for the 15th time, there'd be like a My Chemical Romance song, or like you'd be like, my tears don't fall, they crash around me. You guys really are very young. You don't get that reference. You get that reference. Come on, that's good. Exactly. Or if you were like, if you were like one of those kids who, who couldn't wait to go to a gig and you listened to like Triple J and you wanted your friends to know that, you'd put like an Alt-J song up there, Kathleen Stark. Alt-J. Or lastly, if you were like a super Christian who was going to like youth group every week and you wanted God to just smash people in the face when they encountered your MySpace, You'd put up a Planet Shakers song so people would be like, oh, where's Dylan's profile? And then someone would be singing about Jesus at you because you wanted your naughty, naughty Christian, non-Christian <laughs> friends to meet Jesus. That's MySpace. <laughs> Do you know it still exists? It's bizarre. But anyway, MySpace, what a really great logo. That's the early 2000s. Then what happens in 2007 is this. Twitter and Facebook begin to burst onto the scene. All right, Twitter, <laughs> Facebook. Yeah. Thanks, Karen. Twitter and Facebook, they come on, 2007, it's the year. And what happens is that this happens, the hashtag. Is it like this? Yeah, like that, great. The hashtag comes in, and with the hashtag comes this. One of the biggest, most used hashtags is hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. This is a hashtag that you put up. If you've like bought your house, if you're like 10 years ago when interest rates were 1.9%, now it's like hashtag cursed if you, have a, if you have a house, but you'd put a picture up, you'd be like, just bought my house at Paddington, hashtag blessed. And you kind of put it at the end there. Or if you were like on holidays and all your loser friends who are still working weren't on holidays, you'd be like, you'd have a picture of wine and just be like, I'm just here with my wine and my wife and my kids, hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. It was kind of the way that you would kind of sign off. And it was the way that you would, hashtags were kind of the way that you would want people to see that last thing. You put a photo up and you put a hashtag, hashtag blessed. This is the year 2007. When this hashtag came up, what this word did though, unfortunately, is it turned what blessing was into a sign of abundance. It turned what blessing was into something that which is external, that which is outside of us. To be blessed meant that you had something. To be blessed meant that you had a material possession. To be blessed meant that you would put in front of your friends the highlight reel of your life, right? Hashtag blessed. This word, therefore, has kind of been tarnished in our culture. And then we get to the words of Jesus in Matthew 5, the Beatitudes, and we struggle to see what Jesus meant when he said, blessed are you, 
And blessing has become something in the West that is something to be attained. The blessing of God is something that we go after. To have a blessed life is that we would have certain material things. And then Jesus comes on the track. Jesus comes in and he says, no. Blessing is not about what you have. Blessingness is an experience that you have when you come to know God. And there's an avenue by which you can go in and to lean in to the things of God. This is what it means to be blessed. Jesus had a different idea when he was speaking on the Sermon of the Mount in Matthew 5. Jesus begins to speak to the deeper things, the things in our heart. That the blessed life is not attained by getting more. The blessed life is attained by recognizing God in every single thing that you do. This is the blessed life. And when the disciples come around Jesus and and Jesus begins to teach on Matthew 5, the disciples would have been well-versed in the Torah, the first five books of our Bible now. They would have sat down there and they would have had all these ideas about what religion would gain in our lives. That religion would mean that you are blessed. That doing a certain thing means that you're blessed. Jesus comes there and he flips this on the head. And he says, no, 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 no. You've got it wrong. You are blessed when you tap into the inner source of God on your life. When you recognize the very presence of God in your life. That is what it means to be blessed. And so friends, unless we see the Beatitudes as part of that biblical framework and fabric, we're going to miss what Jesus is talking about. Some of you are like, this is a very long introduction. It needs to be because our culture is so different to the scriptures that we're going to need to read tonight. The Beatitudes are an announcement of how fortunate the people of God are for knowing Jesus. That's blessing. Blessing is not material. Blessing is not something you attain. Blessedness is an experience that you have when you come before God. And you begin to realize and recognize his very presence in your life, doing something through you. This is the blessed life. But that's not all. The Beatitudes also contain an implicit invitation to become the type of person who begins to embody this blessing. Freely you have received, freely you give. The Beatitudes conform us. They change our desires. Jesus flips it on his head and says this, it is not about being religious. It is about abiding with the very presence and love of God. That God is able to be sought out in your life. This is what they say. Henry Nouwen, who's like, if New Life quotes like John Tyson, John Marcoma, C.S. Lewis, it's like Dylan quotes Henry Nouwen. This dude is like, it is true. It's like most sermons, right? I'm always reading him. He says this. Henry Nouwen says, to be blessed means to live your life with eyes wide open to the presence of God. To be filled with gratitude for the many ways in which God is manifesting himself to you. That's what it means to gain this blessing. When we seek to live a posture of blessedness and we live from a place of blessing, we begin to see God in the very fabric of our life moving, doing his thing, moving with us. The blessed life. The Beatitudes are really this. The way in which God becomes known and experienced by people. I'm going to say that again. The Beatitudes, the teachings of Jesus, the blessed life is this, the way in which God becomes known and experienced by people. But it's not just about doing things to get God. It's about a heart posture. Otherwise, Jesus would have said, you must do this to get me. He said, no, no, blessed are you when this, blessed are you when you this. That is the blessed life. Because if you and I have a hashtag blessed mentality, As we go into this scripture tonight, we're going to be really lost. It's not going to make much sense. 
We need to deconstruct our cultural idea of what blessing is in order to see the scriptures and Jesus wake us up to the blessed life. Amen? Just, just deconstruct that. Let's speak another language for the next 19 minutes 40. Sound good? All right. So tonight what I want to do is this. I want to look at the pathway into blessing. Some of you are like, is this like these prosperity preachers? No. I want to look at the pathway into blessing. I want each of us to leave tonight having this sense in which we can go, we are blessed. Not because of how much you earn, not because of where you live, not because of your relational status, but because you know that Jesus is good news. Amen? We're going to look at the pathway into blessing. And then what I want to do is this. I want to look at two ways that the blessedness of God, it's not even a word, the blessedness of God becomes an embodied reality in our life. A couple of markers of the hashtag blessed life. Sound good? All right, awesome. Number one, the pathway to blessing. The pathway to blessing is humility and dependence upon God. It says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. There was a guy by the name of Peter Atkins, uh, Peter Watkins, Peter Atkins is his name. He was a chemist, and he said this. It's going to be up on the screen. He said, Religious belief is outmoded and ridiculous, Belief in God was a worn-out but once useful crutch in mankind's journey towards truth. We consider, it's like you, the authority dude, apparently. We consider the time has come for such a crutch to be abandoned. A critique of Christianity is this, that it is a crutch, right? It's kind of where the weak man comes to find their healing and wholeness. It's like if you have an issue in your life, you come to Christianity because the Christianity is going to kind of help you along the journey, Right? And as I was thinking about this, I think, you know what? I actually think my friend Peter gets something here of the reality of our life. I think he's speaking to something, an ache in our human heart. I think his critique is good. And I think it's this, that if Christianity is a crutch, then it's only good for cripples and those who need a crutch. And we don't like that. Because we live in the hashtag blessed era, where it's like, I don't need help. I'm blessed. I'm blessed more than the rest. It's like, I'm not going to keep spinning that line because it'll get awkward. It's like, this dude's in his 30s. He's graduated. All right. MySpace. We don't like to admit to ourselves that we are wounded. And we don't like to admit that we need help. This is why people critique Christianity because we carry in this message, the upside down message of the kingdom, which says this, the first will be last. The last will be first. Those who need healing are the ones who encounter God, and the sick are the ones who find Jesus. This is the blessed life. So the pathway into blessing is this, dependence and humility on God. You can't get it any other way. Now the church needs to come back to this central message. We've done a good thing at being like, the blessed life is this, preach well, have good worship, do this, be a great middle class, middle to upper class Christian. No, the gospel is not about bringing you to the upper class. The gospel is about Jesus finding you where you sit and he lifts you up and he lifts your load and he does it for eternity. It is not about conforming you to this superficial image. God is not in the business of moral restoration or behavior modification. God's thing is this. He wants to go straight to your heart. He wants to encounter you where you're at and he wants you to depend and have humility because that is the pathway to blessing. Oh, man, so good. Like, far out. I love the gospel. 
Religion in an end of itself is not great. Christianity, when it's founded on the gospel, the good news of Jesus, means that each one of us who come into this building today can leave knowing God and leave being blessed. That's the pathway to blessing. Where am I up to? Here. So in this text here, Jesus, <laughs> you're like, he doesn't transition like this normally. I'm trying to like settle down a bit. In this text here, Jesus is making a radical point, and it's this, that self-reliance oppresses us. We're in an age where we want to seek to be liberated. And some good things. We have movements about self-liberation. But Jesus says this, that self-reliance actually oppresses us. It keeps us in a prison. But humility and dependence of God liberates us. It liberates us. And what it does is this. It makes the doorway, sorry, but dependency and humility liberates us because it takes the disease that we hate most, Namely, helplessness. We hate feeling helpless. We hate not being self-sufficient, don't we? But God takes this, and instead of curing it, he makes it the doorway to heaven and a pathway to blessing. You're not, not excited over that point. He makes it a doorway to heaven and a pathway to blessing. Look at the words of David, Psalm 51. My brother Jimmy shared this with me tonight. He says this, The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Isaiah says this in Isaiah 6, 5. Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. The moment that you see God, the moment that you are dependent upon him, you're liberated. He lifts your load. His yoke is easy. His burden's light, and you begin to experience him. Jesus said this in Mark 2, those who are well have no need of a physician. Who have need of healing? The sick. So how do you get into the blessed life and experience God? By humility and dependence. Humility and dependence. Point two is this. What does this look like in our lives? How can we embody this? How can we kind of keep this going? Point two, righteousness and mercy. If humility and dependence are the pathway into blessing, righteousness and mercy keep us anchored in this life, keeps us anchored in the love of God. It says this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. The merciful will be shown mercy. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this, God has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's mind, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. So what does this mean, that God has put eternity in the mind? What it means is this. It's a common experience for humans, is that we always wonder where our longing will lead us. When our hearts are restless, we wonder, where will my rest come? St. Augustine has this quote, which we all know really well. It says this. He says, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, And our heart is restless until it finds rest in you. When we get a taste of the blessing that lies in pursuing righteousness, we find God. We get on the journey of finding God. And this is why desire is so important. Desire gives us an anthem that sings, my heart thirsts for the living God. Desire is what keeps us pursuing God because as we pursue him, we become more like him. And as we become more like him, we get to know him more. 
Religion says do a whole bunch of these things. The gospel life says find your love and life anchored in Jesus, which liberates you, and then spend your life giving away what God has given to you as the beloved who are secure and safe in God, righteousness and mercy. This is going to surprise you, but my boy Henry says this. And it talks about to priests and ministers, but I actually think this is to everyone. So just kind of remove that. He says this. He says, when spirituality becomes spiritualization, life in the body becomes carnality. When ministers and priests or Christians live their ministry mostly in their heads and relate to the gospel as a set of valuable ideas simply to be announced, the body quickly takes revenge by screaming loudly for affection and intimacy. Christian leaders are called to live the incarnation, that is, to live in the body, not only in their bodies, but also in the corporate body of the community and to discover there the presence of the Holy Spirit. Desire. It is good for you to have your desires and to have the gospel have its outworking in your life. It is good for us as Christians to not only come here in the holy huddle singing kumbayas. It's good for us to embody the work of the gospel and do righteousness and show mercy. So it's not works. It's an outworking. We get out of our heads the head's not bad, but we move it from our heads to our hearts and seek to function in that alignment. Our heads and our hearts come together, and that is where the anointing rests. The anointing rests when our heads and our hearts go forth. So we know our God. We read the scriptures. We learn about him, but then we don't just stay there. We move on, and we share the gospel, and we talk to people, and we embody righteousness. So this is maturity in the Christian life. It's a longing for word and deed to come together. Both and, the both things. And the last point is this. What else? What are the other examples of the blessed life? It's this, purity of heart which gains peace. Purity leads to peace. So if we start over here, if the pathway into blessing is dependency upon God and humility, and one of the outworkings is righteousness and mercy, one of the ways that we keep in the love of God and we keep in the experience of the blessed life is purity of heart, is desiring purity, which gains peace. It says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. If you desire to be blessed, if you desire to see God, you will see God. If you desire for your heart to be pure, over time, this is what we call sanctification, where the work of the Holy Spirit begins to do a work on our heart and we begin to picture God more rightly. We begin to have a great, soothing relationship with God. So the first thing we learn from this beatitude is that Jesus is concerned with our heart. It is not enough to clean up our act on the outside. Like, Pharisees hate this. If we go through seasons where we're, we're kind of judgmental on other people, we hate this. I've had seasons where I hate this. I'm like, I'm doing a pretty good job. Like, I'm, I've stopped swearing. It's like, cool. It's like, I've stopped this. It's like, cool. We missed the point. I love this, what Jesus says. It's, it's, it's hard, but I like it. He says this, Matthew 23. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup 
and the plate, but inside you are full of extortion. You blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the club. Go inside, go internal, seek God's healing internally, and then do this so that the outside may be clean. The Christian life starts in here. It starts in our heart. And the aim of Jesus Christ is not to reform the manners of society, but to change the hearts of people that have disordered desires. That's the goal of Christianity. Again, it's not a moral conformity. It's internal transformation. Don't go silent on me. Come on. It's internal transformation. This is one of the critiques, right, that is quite fair about purity culture. Some of you are like, he's saying this from the pulpit. Just watch, it's fine. It's fine. This is the critique of purity culture, which I actually agree with, and it's this. For many, 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 many years in the church, we critiqued outward behaviors and were not concerned with the internal dynamics of the Christian heart. Richard Lovelace, a guy who writes his book called um, Spiritual Dynamics or something like that, I read it a while ago. He talks about that renewal starts inside our hearts and we therefore experience being a blessed people as our internal life is reordered. Purity culture for many years made us do this. Act like you're awesome on the outside, but never address the inside. The goal was probably still fine, but we flipped that on its head and it's this. Address the internal side of your heart and then the external will be taken care of. Because it's not about just doing religion. Christianity is about having your desires be found in God because when I'm fully satisfied in Him, life becomes easier. When I'm fully satisfied with God, when I wake up each morning knowing that I'm the beloved child of God, that I've got nothing to prove but much to do, my life is radically different. So I wake up, therefore, not as some kind of servant who's consistently like having my tail between my legs saying, sorry, sorry, sorry. I wake up as a loved person of God who can now desire God and repentance in my life, therefore, becomes a consistent re-anchoring into the path of God. So repentance is not the gateway into God's love. It is the outworking of a heart that's captivated by Jesus and the good news of the gospel. So we repent to get close to God, but we start as beloved children. And some of you need to hear that tonight. Some of you have been Christians. Some of you are just feeling inclined by the Spirit in the moment to say, you're breaking away from the faith of your family and you're finding your faith for yourself. And what I would feel God say to you is this. Chase him, pursue him, but you need to feel loved by your God because your parents' faith is not enough to keep you grounded in love. Spiritual formation in childhood is good because it forms your beliefs and it forms where you are. But you need to have your own experience of the belovedness of God. You need to encounter God as your God. You like that? It's good. Come on, bro. Woo. It's awesome. Awesome. Where am I up to? You can tell I'm going on a holiday. I probably need one, actually. Um, well, as the band comes up. <laughs> Pastor Al's like, yeah, Dill does need a holiday. He's getting loosey-goosey. I don't know where I am. Um, okay, as the band comes up, let's bring this home. So let's just recap where we've been. The pathway into blessing is humility and dependence upon God. Righteousness and mercy is an outworking of this. And a pure heart is what keeps you captivated with the love of God. 
And so I wonder whether this moment, I'm going to encourage everyone to stand as we wrap up. And I want to finish just with saying this. The question is this. Is this your experience of the blessed life? Is this your experience of God? Have you experienced this? And because the blessed life is not, as we said, it's not about getting something. It's not about doing something. It's about receiving from God salvation, Jesus himself. And so in this moment, I want to encourage everyone to just close their eyes. And Lord, in this moment, we just encourage you and invite you, the good shepherd, to come into this room. We invite you, Holy Spirit, in this moment. I wonder whether some of you right now feel like you're getting drawn closer. This, this God who has seemed so distant for so long and or has seemed like a bunch of rules is, is actually beginning to come close to you in this moment. And your heart might not even have language for that which you are asking the Lord for. But in saying that, you're like, you know what? It's like this guy up the front who needs a holiday. As he's opened the scriptures, it's like, Jesus, I don't even know if I know you, but there's something about you which has stood out to me. So I wonder whether in this moment, if this is you, if you feel like you've heard about Jesus tonight and you're wanting to find out more about Jesus and you're actually maybe wanting to give your life and your heart to him. If you've come in here wounded and hurting, but you've also experienced synonymously with that feeling that that's actually maybe the very place that God wants you tonight. I encourage you in this moment, why don't you put your hand up and respond to Jesus? If you would like to accept Jesus into your life, I encourage you in this very moment, why don't you lift your hand just as, a, as, a, as an outward sign and as an outward symbol. Put the call out there once more. This might be the moment where the Lord is bringing you on and you've come in here burdened and heavy, and God is saying, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, now's the time, now's the time to come and know me. So if that's you in this moment, just lift your hand. Why don't you pray after me and repeat this in your own heart. Lord Jesus, I love you. I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you have come so that I might have life and life abundant. And Lord, in this moment, I pray for each individual who maybe hadn't put their hand up in person, but in their heart put their hand up. Lord, I pray that you would just bless them. Jesus, you would make yourself ever more known to them. And Lord, I pray you would give them boldness to come up after this service and talk to someone, to let someone know. And lastly, with 20 seconds left on the clock, I want to just quickly, if you're a Christian here who's been a Christian for a while and you felt this sense in which you're just doing a lot for God and you're working hard and you're trying to be a professional Christian and it's crushing you, as every eye is closed, I wonder whether you put your hand up now as an act and as a sign to just say, you know what, Lord, 
I wanna go back to the garden with you. I wanna come back and run with you. I wanna come back and know your heart and your love. And even in this moment, I can see the smile on some people's face. So Lord, we invite you, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would increase your presence in this moment. So Lord, for these individuals, I ask too, Lord, give us the love of our first, the, the, just the first love, Lord. Awaken a first love mentality in our hearts tonight, Lord. Lord, we don't want religion here, Lord. We want to be people who know you and love you and get excited by following you. So Lord, as little children, as Abba's ch- children, as Abba's daughters and sons tonight, Lord, we just pray for a release of first love tonight. A release, Lord, of first love. The spirit of adoption would be just released upon this room right now, Lord. That those who don't know that they are loved by a heavenly Father would feel the Father's embrace right now in Jesus' name. For those who have lived life long chasing the acceptance maybe of Christian leaders, Lord, we just pray for a release of your anointing of the spirit of adoption in this place, Lord. Bless what you're doing in people's hearts and lives. Friends, let's worship. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the New Life Podcast. If that stirred something within you or you would like prayer, you can head to church.nu forward slash prayer or contact us through our Instagram or Facebook page. We pray that you have a great week. Be blessed.